The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. If you would open to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And we're going to continue our study uh, into the model church today. And um, in Acts chapter 2, I'd like for you to look with me at verse number 46, if you would. Acts 2.46. These are, these are verses that you're all quite familiar with. Acts chapter 2, verse 46. And they... Continuing, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Let's pray before we go any further. Father, thank you for this time we have today. Teach us from thy word, I pray. And use us to your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. In discussing the model church thus far, we have seen that it was a unified church. That they were all in one accord. And that they they had all things together. And they were in agreement in, in spiritual things. And we also saw that they were a praying church. That they were, that they were uh, in one accord in prayers and, and supplications. They were a church that came together and prayed and were in agreement on the needs of, of the church and the spiritual things that were involved. Now today I'd like to examine another aspect of this model church, and this is number three, that it was a preaching church. A preaching church. Uh, look with me at Acts chapter 5. Let's go to Acts chapter 5 and we'll read from verse 40 to 42. We read here, and to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. I'm glad that in verse 42, the Lord specified, they cease not to teach and to preach. How many of you realize there's a difference between teaching and preaching? Unfortunately, in so many churches today, the teaching aspect has been dropped off. And all you ever get is preaching. And... In some churches, the preaching aspect has been dropped off, and all you get is teaching. Now, there is a difference between teaching and preaching. Teaching is instructional. Teaching is designed to impart understanding, to help you know why we do the things we do, what the Word of God says concerning these things, to 
to be able to rightly divide the word of truth. That's the purpose of teaching. It's instructive. Preaching is provocative. Preaching, the purpose in preaching is to move you, to, to cause you to change your, your direction and to do something. That's the purpose in preaching, is, is to get you to do something. But in so many churches today, you go and you, everybody gets preaching all the time and they, they do things, but they never get teaching. So they don't really understand why they're doing these things. That's why so often you hear uh, churches being described as uh, their membership as being a mile wide and an inch deep. They cover a lot of ground, but they have no depth. They don't understand why. And you know, if you don't really understand why you're doing what you're doing, then the devil can talk you out of doing it. He can convince you. That's, that's what's so important with children. Uh, you know, parents, parents like to say, Mom, why do I have to do this? Dad, why do I have to do it? Because I say so. And that's great, and that works with three-year-olds and four-year-olds and five-year-olds. It doesn't work with teenagers. Why do I have to do that? Well, because I say so. I'm sorry, that doesn't, that's just not enough. So we have to instruct our children. We have to make sure they understand why we believe what we believe in. And we need to live it in front of them so that they see it in action. It's very important. So many people, and I'm not even on my outline yet, so bear with me. So many people come to church and bring their kids and expect everything's going to be good now. Do you know the church, it's not the pastor's job or the deacon's job or the teacher's job to, to uh, raise your kids. That's not our job. Our job is to instruct. It's your job to go home and teach the word of God to your children and to live it before them. But this was a preaching church. As we read in verse 42, daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. They ceased not. They ceased not to, to give discourse on the gospel way of salvation and exhort to repentance. They cease not to give discourse on evangelical truths and exhort to a belief of them and acceptance of them in the terms of salvation. To preach, simply put, means to proclaim. Now, this would provoke some questions from me. As I, as I study this and as I see this, it, it causes some questions to come to mind. Well, what are those questions? Well, uh, I have—I don't have them on your sheet. We're going to go over them one at a time. But to give you a synopsis of them, uh, what are we to proclaim? What are we to preach? Uh, secondly, by what authority do we preach? And thirdly, unto whom do we preach? So if we're commanded to preach, and we are, and if the purpose, the mission of the church is to preach, and it is, then we need to—we need to know what. Uh, by what authority, and, and unto whom do we proclaim? So I'm going to look at these one at a time. We're not going to get all of them today. Matter of fact, we're only going to get question number one done today. And I hope we get that done. So question number one is this. What are we to preach? You go to church today. You go to the average church today, and 
I, 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 we have members of our church who, he told me this one day. He said, the pastor, my pastor one, once told us, next Sunday, bring the newspaper with you. Bring the, bring the Sunday paper with you. Because we're going to be taught, we're going to be speaking from the paper. Wow. And you go, you go around churches around this country. You know, most churches you go to, you don't even need to bring your Bible. Because it's probably not going to even be opened by the so-called preacher. So, what are, we, what are we to preach? Well, letter A, we're to preach Christ and him crucified. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 23 and 24, Paul writes, But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. I find it interesting here that Paul took the time to include the word crucified in his statement. <laughs> Why didn't he just say, we preach Christ? I mean, it would seem like that would be enough said, right? But why did he, why did he include crucified? Why did he say, we preach Christ crucified? Well, allow me to share my thoughts concerning this with you. In order to explain this statement, we must consider Paul's target audience and his subject context. Now, first, let's look at his target audience. In this passage of Scripture, Paul is addressing the church at Corinth. He's addressing the church concerning a matter which had been brought to his attention. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 11, he, he writes, For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. From this we can see that Paul is addressing the church. He's speaking to the church with this, in this passage of scripture. He's not speaking to the unsaved. He is speaking to the believers in fellowship at Corinth, the statement, but we preach Christ crucified, made in verse 23 of this chapter, is an admonition to the church. It takes away all of the froth and focuses in on the main mission of the church, and that is the preaching of the cross. Not focusing on the contentious matters of preference. And, and that, that exists in every church, by the way. People's preferences get in the way so often. And we need to learn as, as a church body, preferences are exactly that. They're preferences. They're not doctrine. They're not, they're not cornerstones. They're preferences. So, we, we must agree on, on, the, on the foundational doctrines, whereas we might have different preferences. And that's all I'm going to say about that. But not focusing on, on preferences, rather focusing on preaching the cross of Christ. Certainly those contentious matters may be important to the believer. But they are not relevant to a lost man. Amen? If a lost man comes into our church 
and we're preaching, we're not preaching Christ crucified, but we're, we're, we're expounding upon preferences, what benefit is that to him? It's of no benefit to him. What does he need? He needs to hear about Jesus Christ crucified for his sins. And that is the emphasis of preaching, should be the emphasis of preaching in the church. The target audience of Paul's statement here is the believer. And he's trying to refocus our attention onto the important things. And that is the gospel message of Jesus Christ. But secondly, let's consider his subject, context, the context of his subject. The subject is, Paul is addressing, is the contention rising from the different opinions of the people in the church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, Paul writes, Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas. Or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? These people were beginning to divide into cliques, if you will. Well, I'm of Paul. Uh, so what? I'm, I, was, I was converted by Apollos. Uh, big deal. I'm from Cephas which was Peter. Paul's intent in this writing is to get us all on the same page regarding the emphasis of our Christian life. It doesn't matter who, who was preaching when you got saved. That's irrelevant. The fact is, who saved you? Jesus Christ, crucified at Calvary for your redemption. And that's the emphasis. That's the subject of, of Paul's message here, is that we are to stay on the message of the gospel. In the verses immediately following, uh, Paul begins to expound upon the power and importance of preaching and its message. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17 and 18, Paul writes, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. I've been saved for 38 years. I've been, I've been listening to preaching for 38 years. And can I tell you this? When I sit in the pew and I hear the gospel coming from the pulpit, I never grow weary of hearing the gospel. I've had people actually come to me and say, why is he always preaching the gospel? I'm already saved. I don't need to hear the gospel. Oh, really? I'm sorry. I need to hear it every day because I'll forget. The preaching of the cross is to... Is to you and I who are the redeemed of God. It is the power of God. It, it livens our soul. It opens our heart to the, to the Lord. It, 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 it motivates us to, to continue on. 
So clearly the subject of this writing is the preaching of the gospel. So back to the question. Why did he not just say we preach Christ? I can sum it up by saying that it is not the life of Christ that saves. Now wait a minute. Before anybody says, oh, that's heresy. I understand Christ must live a sinless life. If all that Christ, though, had done was be born, would that have satisfied the debt of sin? If Christ had lived to a ripe old age and died of natural causes, would that have satisfied the debt of sin? It wouldn't have. It would have taken care of it for him. What about you? What about me? He must needs die. He must be sacrificed on Calvary in order for me to be redeemed to the Father. So, yes, the life of Christ is vitally important, and, and I think we should stress and teach the life of Christ. I, we think we should teach it to our children so that they can, they can see the example of Christ as they, as they grow and as they make decisions. The life of Christ is of vital importance to the believer. To the believer. But it's the death of Christ that is of importance to the lost soul. Because it is only by his death and his resurrection that we have eternal life. So you see it's very important that, that, that we preach Christ crucified. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We read, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. Now, here's the gospel. Paul is, 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 is summing up the gospel. How that Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture, and that he was buried... And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So here Paul has just defined the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is that Christ was crucified, that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to scripture. According to the will and purpose of God. In this exegesis of the gospel, Paul did not mention the life of Christ. Now again, don't get me wrong. I believe a study of and the preaching of the life of Christ is of vital importance to every believer. But it is of no immediate value to the lost soul. It is the death, burial, and bodily resurrection of Christ that is of importance to this man. A man can have all knowledge of the life of Christ and go straight to hell. I, I don't know anyone alive who, who knows more about the life of Christ than my dad. 
But my dad is not a saved man. And all that knowledge of, of Christ is going to do him no good. James even said that. James said, you, you believe in God, you do well. The devils believe also and tremble. So, so a knowledge, the knowledge of the life of Christ is not sufficient unto salvation. It is, it is an understanding of the death and burial and bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ that imparts eternal life. So we are to preach Christ and him crucified. But secondly, what are we to preach? Letter B, we are to preach the word of God. We're to preach the word of God. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. Let's all go there together. Second Timothy chapter four. I'll get there. You may get there before me. If you do, hold on, wait up for me. Second Timothy chapter four. Here we go. <coughs> Excuse me. Let's begin at verse one. We read here, I charge thee, therefore, before God. And the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears." And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Um, I work with a lot of people and so many of them, they, they know because I make it known to everyone that I, I'm a spiritual man, that I teach in our church and that I sing and, 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 and that I love the Lord. So they often come to me and they say, you know, I'm not happy with my church. Uh, I'm looking for a church that has a, a, a vibrant children's ministry. Or I'm looking for a church that has a couple's ministry. Or, 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 or something like that. I'm looking for a church that has a greater outreach to the homeless. I'm, I'm looking for a church that's more compassionate uh, in uh, social matters, <laughs> that's all. That's all great. That's all great, but that's not what church is about. It's not what church is about. You see, church is about preaching Christ crucified and preaching God's word. But but they don't like God's word because it makes them feel bad. And Paul said right here in verse 3, he said, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. And that's where we are today in America. People do not accept God's word. They do not, they cannot endure doctrine. And this, you know whose fault it is? It's the pulpit's fault. 
Who else are we going to blame? I've, I've talked with many of my pastor friends and, and, and many of the men that I, that I know that preach, and I tell them the same thing. Who, who, quit trying to blame the world. The world is just doing what the world does. Quit trying to blame the false teacher. The false teacher, they're going to teach the false truth. If you want to blame someone for the, for the condition of our churches in America, blame the men who stand in the pulpit. Now, if you're a man who stands in the pulpit and preaches firm doctrine, then praise the Lord, keep doing what you're doing. But too many preachers in America, and I've got off teaching, and I've got on to preaching now. But too many preachers in America are interested in building a big congregation and not preaching the word of God. Because if you preach God's word, you're not going to have a big crowd. Hey, how many, how many people were with Jesus? Oh, they, a, a, a horde followed Jesus as long as he was giving away food. But as soon as he stood on the mountainside and preached the Beatitudes, what happened to the crowd? They scattered. Hmm? How, many, how many people followed uh, John the Baptist around? Not very many. You see, people don't want the word of God. But we are to preach the word of God. Now, before we, we, we talked about some, but now we are going to address the, address the matter of preaching to the believers within the fellowship of the church. Now we will utilize the life of Christ in our preaching to model our lives. This would refer to the teaching and preaching ministry of the church to its own membership. That's what we're doing this morning. This is the teaching and preaching of holiness. This is the teaching and preaching of sanctification. This is the teaching and preaching of separation. So when I studied these verses uh, that, we, that we read from Timothy, some things jump out at me. First, notice the charge given. Look at verse 1 again of 2 Timothy chapter 4. He says, I charge thee. Paul, Paul is writing to Timothy, a preacher. And Paul says, I charge thee, Timothy. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Now, once again, we have to make sure that we are applying this verse in the manner God intended it to be applied. Is this statement made to Timothy a charge given to the church or to the individual believer? Well, before you answer that question, consider this. Given that Timothy is a preacher and the head of the churches in Asia, and given that Paul is discussing the church and its organizational principles, we can assume that this charge is given as a mission of the church. That means it's just as important for you to preach the gospel as it is the pastor. It is given to stress the importance of maintaining a purity of the preaching within the church body. He said, be instant in season, out of season, 
And this is the urgency. So first we saw the charge, but secondly, we see the urgency stated. The instant. Instant. I like instant things. But some things just aren't the same instant. Instant mashed potatoes. No such thing as an instant mashed potato. I'm sorry, I'm from the South. My mashed potato has to be mashed with lots of butter and lots of cream. Down South, we call them cream potatoes because there's there's actually probably just as much cream as potato in it. But instant, instant coffee. (laughs) People all the time at work, they give me these little Starbucks little things. I say, oh, thank you. Yeah, as soon as they're out of sight, I throw it in a garbage can. That's not coffee, man. You got to brew coffee. And so Paul is not talking here about that type of instant. He's talking about he's talking about being consistent and being constantly at the task. So we're to be instant, be always and entirely involved in it. Either preparing for it or performing it or doing those things that are next to it or to follow upon it. Redeem time. Paul, Paul told us to redeem the time. Redeem the time you have and take every opportunity to speak of the mysteries of grace as a faithful steward of them. I was speaking to my employees the other day, my staff, and I was, I was speaking to them about work ethics. And I told them, uh, now this is a bunch of just a bunch of employees. And I know you're not supposed to preach on the, on the job. But I was talking to them about work ethics. And I said, listen, you be diligent in, in what you do. And, and you do it even if, even if nobody sees you. I said, the Lord sees you. And, and, and good things happen to people who do the right things. And, and I, I told them all that. When the meeting was over, I dismissed everybody. They went about to their task. One of the guys came up to me and he said, thank you so much. Thank you so much. He said, that was wonderful that you gave God glory. And, you know, that's we need to be we need to be instant. We need to take every opportunity we have to to speak of the father and to glorify the Lord. Be instant in season, out of season. Make use not only of those times that may seem pleasant and advantageous, um, but even such times as may seem inconvenient. And disadvantageous to flesh and blood. Such as times of trouble. Times of persecution. and Times of opposition. Redeem these times. And, and, and sense the urgency to preach the word of God. Third, notice the objective at hand. He said, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. What is the purpose of preaching? We already stated that preaching is a proclamation. So what is the objective of preaching? The objective is to bring about movement surrounding an issue. The the objective of preaching is to stir you to action. Not to remain complacent. We preach to lost souls in an attempt to move them toward Christ. We preach to saints in an attempt to move them toward holiness. But even in this admonition, Paul reminds Timothy of two things. He said, first, preach with all long suffering. 
Now, long-suffering is, is to be forgiving, to be tolerant, to be patient, to be determined, to be accommodating, to be selfless, but never to compromise. Listen, long-suffering isn't compromising. Long-suffering isn't changing the truth of God into a lie. Long-suffering isn't, denying, isn't leaving off a statement because it might offend someone. It's thus saith the Lord, and we need to be long-suffering. All of us need to learn the characteristics when dealing with other people. And, and secondly, uh, to be, to, to, the objective is to preach doctrine, preach sound doctrine. 1 Corinthians 2.4, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You know why we have such faithless so-called believers in America today? It's because they have no, no foundation. They have no doctrine. They're blown about by everything they hear. They, 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 they go with the flow. They, they hang with the crowd. They don't, they don't buck up against, against resistance and, and stand firm and push their way through. And that's what we have to do. Be a, be a, be a Christian with backbone. Be a Christian with courage. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who stood before the king and said, we're not afraid of you, and we're not worried about your furnace. Our God will deliver us. And they had courage to, to withstand. Our preaching uh, at Berean must be in accordance with the doctrines of the word of God. Now, sometimes true doctrine is upsetting. We may not always like what we hear, when, we, when we're being taught doctrine. And Paul warns Timothy that some will forsake his preaching and will turn to those who will tell them what they want to hear. We read it again earlier in verse 4. He said, And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Listen, there are lots of people out there wanting to lie to, 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 to other people, to make merchandise of them. To, to get money out of them and to, to, to fill their own purses. And we know all of those, uh, we know all of those who have left this church did so because they did not want to hear the word of God. They did not want to accept true doctrine. So you tell me, should we change doctrine to satisfy the ears of men? Or, should we change our hearts to agree with the doctrines of the word of God? Of course, one may argue, how do you know if what you are teaching is correct? Well, 1 John chapter 4 says this, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth confesseth that Jesus, Jesus Christ has come in the flesh as of God. Listen, you can always tell true doctrine because it's the one that gives God all the glory and all the honor. Our preaching must be rooted in doctrine. 
A man who stands and gives his opinion is not preaching. He is simply stating an opinion. Preaching is proclaiming God's opinion as outlined in scriptural truth and biblical doctrine. So, what do we preach? We preach Christ crucified and we preach the word of God. I hope it was helpful. Uh, I wasn't trying to preach. I was trying to teach. And remember that. If you remember nothing else, remember that. Remember there's a difference between teaching and preaching. And without the teaching part of it, you're going to starve. So make sure you get in teaching. All right. Thanks. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.